Lord, that we may be ready when you come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. Uh, chapter 7, A Heavenly Atmosphere. And there is a lot in here. Uh, we're studying about heaven. Again, what it's going to be like, who's going to be there, what it's going to look like, all kind of different things that the servant of the Lord, the Lord's prophet, was revealed to. Uh, this time our, starts out with the Christian summer, and it says this earth, uh, this earth is the place of preparation for heaven. And we always say heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Well, earth is the place of preparation for heaven. And the time spent here is considered the Christian's winter time. And it's here where the chilly winds of affliction blow upon us and the waves of trouble roll against us. Has anybody feel that way before living here on earth, affliction and waves of trouble rolling against you? Now, winter's not my favorite part of the year, so I can understand that analogy. Uh, winter, I can do without pretty much, but it's the same here on earth that this is where the trouble hits us. This is where the problems assail us. This is where things don't always go the way that we want them to and where we meet with sorrow and sadness uh, many times. Uh, but then it says in the near future when Christ comes, then all that sorrowing will be ended forever. And then we'll begin the Christian summer in heaven where God will wipe away tears from our eyes and there'll be no more death and sorrow for those former things are all passed away. Now, I know a lot of people like winter weather, but as I said, I'm not one of them. So, you know, it's just an analogy uh, to let us know that things in heaven will be so much better. Uh, then on the next paragraph, it says that trials cannot be recalled. Uh, what does it say in that paragraph about trials not being recalled? Any thoughts on that? I think, Elder Carroll, is because we'll be so happy that we're in heaven. We're not going to think of what what we had to go through. We're just going to see that that we're just happy to be in glory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you ever, um, you know, like you go on vacation and you have, uh, before you go on vacation, you have all those small problems, got to get your passport. There may be something there that, you know, that holds you up a little bit. You know, then you have to find your clothes, et cetera, et cetera. But when you get packed and you get to where you're going, it's like you just forget all about all this stuff that you had to do or didn't work quite right. So it'll probably be like that. The experience will be so happy and joyful. Yeah. Kind of like if you uh, are in sports or something and you go through sports and you practice and you work out and you do all the drills and all that. But then when you win the championship, then you don't even think about all those practices and how hard they were. You're just so happy that you won the championship. And as Lakita was mentioned, that's how we'll be in heaven. We'll just be so happy that we're there, that anything that we've had to go through on this earth is nothing compared to the glory that we'll enjoy there at that time. And it says that in heaven, it's a happy family. All will be happy, united family, clothed with the garments of praise and thanksgiving. What prevents families on earth from being happy? Why, why aren't people's families very happy on earth? Selfishness, self-centeredness, self-righteousness, sin, period. A lot of self going on, huh? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, excuse me, where are we? 
Hello, everybody. Hey. Hello, Alvina. And yes, Alvina, it is 240. <laughs> I was going for like three minutes. <laughs> Elder, Elder you, Carol. Where you, where you I was going online, nobody let me in. We're yeah, on I'm online. I'm online too, and it says it starts in five minutes, but it won't let you click on. <laughs> yeah, so I finally just came to the I just came to the telephone. Yeah. So yeah. I was on time. I just left and came back. All right, Andre's working on it, I'm sure. Um we're on I'm chapter sorry. I'm seven. sorry, where are we? I'm telling you, we're on chapter <laughs> seven and we're at paragraph sixty-one point one. It starts <laughs> a happy family. Thank you. And I think a happy family now too, since this pandemic, it's a lot of unhappy families because they not they can't see as far as physically be with their loved ones. So it's like talking to them, you know. But you know, you got a lot of lonely family members that feel like people have forgotten them, especially the elderly, because they don't physically have that physical contact right now. Hmm, that's a good point. Yeah, it is. It could be another point. Some families are closer now since the pandemic because they have to be. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Amen. It also points out that in heaven there will be praise and thanksgiving and sometimes on earth that's missing from families. We tend, uh, many times, families tend to be critical of each other and joning and snapping on each other and making fun of what you do. And there needs to be more praise and thanksgiving. If so, Maybe that would make ha uh, families more happy also, happy and united, if we were more praising and thanksgiving of each other. On uh, the next paragraph, it talks about realization is greater than expectation. Our realization will be greater than our expectation. Does somebody explain that to us? What does that mean? I think that what it... It's so much more than what the reality will be, sort of like that. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that's just the opposite, that what we think that it will be and what it actually is will be so much greater. It's like, it's like eyes have not seen, ears have not heard the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So whatever our greatest imagination is about it, then it's beyond that even. Hmm. What is, uh, what is your greatest thought of heaven? Have you ever heard people say, you know, they might go to a nice restaurant and eat something that tastes good and they say, oh, it's heaven. Mm -hmm. You know, is that the best we can do? <laughs> Thinking about heaven? Leah, I also hear about heaven on earth. Is there such a thing? No. Not right now. I believe spiritual wise it is a heaven on earth because you you are building your character here. So when Christ comes, he doesn't he's not gonna change your character. When you go to live with Christ, your character on, on earth has already been developed. So I think you do have happiness in your character and your relationship with Christ on earth. Okay. We read that our homes should be a little bit of heaven on earth. But there's no way that we can ever really imagine exactly what's going to be in heaven, which is why it's a blessing that the prophet is telling us some of the things that we can look forward to 
It says uh, also it points out in this paragraph that he who occupies occupies the position of judge is God manifest in the flesh. So who is God manifest in the flesh? Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus is going to be the judge at judgment day. It says our teacher, our redeemer, he's still bearing the marks of the crucifixion from which shine beams of glory, giving additional value to the crowns which the redeemed have received, the very hands outstretched in blessing over his disciples as he ascended. I know some of y'all remember um, at Northside, there was a painting in the lobby of Jesus and it showed the nail prints in his hands and then the light was shining through his hands. Yep. Yeah, and this kind yeah, of- Yeah, I, re I remember, yes. Yeah, that was a beautiful picture. This kind of reminded me of that. She's saying the beams of glory shine through those, uh, the nail prints in his hands. It says the very one who gave his precious life for them, who by his grace moved their hearts to repentance, who awakened them to their need of joy, receives them now into his joy. So that's letting us know that Jesus did it all for us. He paved the way, he made it possible. He brought our hearts to repentance, awakened us to the need of repentance, and then received him into his joy, received us into his joy. He never left anything to chance. Uh, he did it all for us. Like the song says, Jesus paid it all. He truly did. And all he asked for us to do is to accept uh, his sacrifice. Let's go to where it says God has not revealed all. What has God not revealed to us? Or what has he revealed to us? He has revealed to us those things contained in his word. But, you know, there may be questions among our finite minds that come up that really is not important for our salvation. He's revealed everything to us that's important for our salvation. Okay. How come he didn't reveal the rest of it? Probably so that we wouldn't be fixed on those things. And it's hard enough to keep keep focus on and concentrate on what we need to do to be saved. We don't need all that other stuff getting in the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anybody else? Why wouldn't God reveal everything to us? Because we won't be able to handle the truth. Ah, okay. And I don't think it's relevant. It's like people ask questions, well, who was Cain's wife? What difference does it make who Cain's wife was? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and like and you know you know and when people say well how come like my daughter at one time when she was talking to them psychics and she said i just didn't have nothing to do i was bored she said but i did ask her when was christ coming she said she couldn't answer none of that i said duh <laughs> yeah in the next paragraph it says Matters of vital importance have been plainly revealed in the word of God. So as Karen was mentioning, that which is important is salvation and revealed. Then it says these subjects are worthy of our deepest thought. And it takes deep thoughts when you're studying the Bible because it's not man's word, it's God's word. And what God uh, gave to us is very complex and has more than one meaning sometimes. So we do have to study, we have to pray, and we have to think deeply on it. And But it then it says, but we're not to search into matters on which God has been silent. We're not to search into matters on which God has been silent. 
And when questions arise upon which we are uncertain, what should we ask? What says the scripture? What does the scripture say? And if there's mm -hmm. nothing in the scripture on it or in the prophecy writings, then just leave it alone. Mm -hmm. there for salvation, as was mentioned. It was something in here. Oh, yeah, it said that some, someone speculated whether or not the redeemed will have gray hair or not. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, yeah, like you were saying, Karen, what difference does that make? Right. We'll be so happy to be there, you know, and we'll have an eternity for God to answer some of our questions or even maybe all of them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and you lay it right into the next paragraph where it says Jesus will explain. Mm -hmm. We have eternity for him to explain the profound things to us. You know, we can ask any question. We can ask whatever question we want and the Lord talk to us about it, get into a discussion about it or whatever. It says there Jesus will lead us beside the living stream flowing from the throne of God, which we read about uh, previously. Mm -hmm and will explain to us the dark providence through which he led us in order to perfect our characters. Uh, um, I think, Patsy, you might have mentioned this earlier on Sabbath school, that the Lord allows us to go through trial and tribulation to perfect our characters. And so there's many times we go through things and we wonder, where is the Lord at? Why ain't God rescuing me? Why is he letting me stay out here in this trouble? And he'll talk to us about that and explain to us why he did those things. I recall Elder Brooks was speaking, uh, gave a message before, and he said that sometimes when you're going through trouble or trial or tribulation, that the Lord will just let you cliffhang a little bit. You know, he won't just immediately rescue you or save you or give you the answer, but he'll let you go through a little something to again, build up your character and build up your trust in him and his power. So it says, there we'll see on every hand the beautiful trees of paradise, in the midst of them the tree of life, and there we'll behold with undimmed vision the beauties of Eden restored. So I thought that was good, too, with, with undimmed vision. What did it say about Moses right when he was about to die? He was shown the promised land, and he was shown, huh? His step was not abated and his vision was not dimmed. Yeah, that about Moses. His step was not abated, neither was his eyesight dim. So he was just like a young man in his abilities. And it says here in heaven, we'll behold these things with undimmed vision. We'll have perfect vision to, to see all the beauties of Eden restored that God has for us. And, and also Moses, when he died and God took him to heaven, he saw heaven was a lot, of course, more greater than what he saw, you know. Yeah. God. And 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 I think too, Lee, that a lot of these silly questions that we ask about now, they will have been answered by the time we even get to heaven. So we will be thinking on much grander, greater schemes and things, questions that we have. Because like, if you if we make it to heaven, we'll know who Cain's wife was because the record books will be open to us a thousand years. Or we'll know when we get to heaven, we'll see. Uh, is anybody with gray hair? You know what I mean? So a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things will be answered that these crazy questions that we have, you know, either, either through examination of the books or through actually being there. 
But because yeah. I have not seen nor ear heard the things that God has prepared, I think our wonderment is going to be over those things and not over the things of this earth that, you know, I mean, of course, you know, there'll be some things we'll want to ask the Lord about, you know, like, Lord, why did you, why did I have to go through this or that or the other? But, you know, for the most part, a lot of those silly questions would be answered already. <laughs> Yeah, I don't care. My hair can be gray long as I'm between 25 <laughs> and 30 years old. <laughs> you may even be younger than that. You may be, okay. you know. <laughs> now, one of the things that we know is going to be in heaven is joy, J-O-Y. And if we know there's going to be heaven and in, in, uh, there's going to be joy in heaven, it says, shouldn't the church on earth be full of praise? Shouldn't Christians publish throughout the world the joy of serving Christ? Should Christians be full of praise and joy, even though the world is not always? Yes. Why? Yes. Why? Because we know the one who holds the future, and we know based on the word what the future is. Mm-hmm. And it's a testimony to others. Um, if we're miserable like everyone else, then we have nothing to offer. Who would want to be a Christian? Look, you can't eat pork. You can't go out on Friday night and you still mad, you know? Wait, yeah. wait a minute, Karen. You said we should not be or we should be? Should be. What did, What? What? What are you thinking I said? I mean, I, I thought you said we should not be full of praise and joy. You didn't say that, right? No, I didn't say that. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Okay. No. <laughs> You know, thing too. But our joy and positive attitude is a is a witness to others because we attribute it to our relationship with uh, God. Another thing too is that the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace. We're going to be in the direct presence of God, the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son. How can we not be joyful? Mm -hmm. Here's a question: If while we're on Earth. And we have already established that there's trial and tribulation even for Christians on earth. How do you maintain joy and thanksgiving in the middle of that? Stay in prayer. Well, you don't maintain it. The whole it's a gift from God. The uh, for the I mean, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's it's a result of having the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't really matter as we. You know, seek the spirit of God and uh, allow the spirit of God to live through us day by day. And we receive and accept more of the Holy Spirit. It's a byproduct of the spirit of God. It's not anything we do, I don't think. I just think it's a byproduct of the spirit of God being in us. Okay. Any other thoughts? How can you maintain joy during tribulation? Well, I think for me, it's that I, I, I lean on the promises of Christ. Like, you know, I, I always, when I really think that I'm, like I said, like a couple of Sundays ago, I went to Boo Boo and last week when uh, both of my, both of the COVID by, uh, people that I love so much had uh, passed away, I said, I went to God's promise that the dead in Christ shall rise first and that he's going to prepare a place for us. And I keep that in my front of my mind. <laughs> God is preparing a place for us. So the Holy Spirit is working with me on earth to prepare me. So when I get in those dark places, I go straight to the word of God. And I shared with uh, our prayer line, my, my, me and my father's favorite uh, Bible verses is uh, Psalms 23. I said, and there are times when I just kept reading over that, reading over it when I knew that I was in a, you know, 
a dark place, and I'm like, God hasn't forgot me. He's He's carrying me. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Anyone else? How can you keep joy in the midst of the storm? Well, when I um, I think I go to a place of gratitude because gratitude is like a light. And where there's light, you can have darkness. It pushes out all that stuff. And before you know it, I'm in, in, a, in a state of praise. That's what works for me. Hmm. Okay. I think that's very true, Paula. I said the... Um, if we could just spend some time, Sister White says, uh, recall your blessings and count them one by one. Uh-huh. Really a very helpful thing for everybody, you know, to just get up in the morning every day talking and saying, you know, thank you, Lord, for this thing. Going to bed at night in the middle of your day, remembering. Amen. Because there's so Amen. much right now. Uh, last week when I heard about um, when it finally sank in my head what those people in Texas were going through. You know, I just felt like, felt so grateful that my, that um, I had heat. You know, it was cold. It was really mm-hmm. cold this week. And for people to not have, you have small children or, you know, children yourself. And, and it was just, it was a terrible thing. So I think if we can kind of just, what you said, count those blessings, you will find yourself in a state of gratitude, in a state of um, praise and thanksgiving. And also, I've, mm-hmm. um, for some reason witnessing how our light shines and because people watch us whether we know it or not all my neighbors know I keep the Sabbath and and I've said it to very few of them but every one of them know I keep the Sabbath you know and um, they watch me go out when I used to be able to go to church get my Bible and get in the car you know where you going I'm going to church so every button all now all my neighbors say happy Sabbath so Mm. people watch Mm-hmm. And there was a young lady at our church. She has a very young family. And uh, she was only, I think, in her 30s. And she had breast cancer. And she handled that thing with such grace. It was a testament and a witness to me. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't imagine, you know, w- what it was like for her. But you could, all you could see is her happiness and her joy. Amen. Yeah, as Lakita had mentioned, we get those those attributes from the Holy Spirit. It says the the gifts the um, gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, long suffering, faith, meekness, and temperance. And then when we sing the song of heaven, the keynote of that is thanksgiving. So uh, if we're more thankful and more grateful and more appreciative of all that God continues to do for us then it's a lot easier to not allow bad feelings or sad feelings to come upon us because we're not allowing the situation to dictate how we feel, but we know that the this, this Spirit of God is the one who gives us joy and peace. Uh, Sometimes people say they woke up on the wrong side of bed. Well, maybe you need to go back in bed and wake up on the other side and not allow the situation to dictate. One of the things that we do at home is in the morning, we like to have a devotional. And I like that because it gets gets the day started right on the right foot. When you wake up and you are praising God and thanking him, then it just seems to make the whole day a whole lot more better, a lot more happier, a lot more joyful, a lot more peaceful. You know, just starting your day out with the Lord does so much good for you. 
says in heaven, all is health, happiness, and joy. Um, on paragraph 63.3, where it starts out, no pain there. We talked about this before. Pain cannot exist in the atmosphere of heaven. There'll be no more tears, no funerals, no badges of mourning, no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. That's just worth the price of admission for itself right there. Just no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. Uh, the other day I was driving down the highway and saw this long group of cars and they were just running stoplights and merging in traffic without looking. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with these people? Well, it was a really long funeral procession. It was really long. I'm like, wow, this must have been somebody famous, maybe, you know, but it was so long. And I was thinking, that's just really sad that all these people are going because uh, someone passed away and now they're all sad and stuff. But there won't be any more funerals in heaven. It won't be any more death. And holiness will reign supreme in heaven. In heaven, God is all in all. And it asks this, asks this question, uh, not a question, but if we're indeed journeying to heaven, the spirit of heaven will dwell in our hearts here on earth. That's pretty interesting. But it says, if we find no pleasure in the contemplation of heavenly things, and if we have no interest in seeking knowledge of God, no delight in beholding the character of Christ, if holiness has no attraction for us, then we may be sure that our hope of heaven is vain. Again, we're to be preparing for heaven now. And if people don't want to learn about God, don't care about heaven, don't care about joy and peace and the knowledge of God, then heaven's not going to be a nice place for them. It says a uh, person preparing for heaven will love to talk about God, love to talk about Jesus, love to talk about heaven, the home of bliss and purity, which Christ has prepared for those that love him. How many times do we in our conversations talk about God or do we just talk about temporal things, you know, politics and sports and fashion, you know, God should be also a part of our lives in everything, right? Right. I, my, um, my motto, I adopted this years ago when I first came back to church, is that God shouldn't be an aspect of my life. He should be my life. And I think everyone can relate to when you were younger and heard your grandparents or older person speak, it was Lord have mercy and thank the Lord and blah, 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 blah. And you um, was like, oh, that's just what old people do. I find myself doing that. <laughs> and wow. I, don't, I don't think it's just a process of age. I hope it, it means that I've grown in Christ. And I, I notice even around other Christians, when you attribute different things to the Lord, sometimes they look at you funny. Yeah. Somebody even said people that, you know, everything they talk about, they say, thank God. They, they look at them like they're a little off. <laughs> in church yeah I think it is um, I find that it's difficult in church I grew up with my mom saying the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I took it literal that God speaks to us so when I say it at church um, it does seem like people don't really understand that but it is what they'll have that experience at some point Paula they'll get there mm. 
It is interesting. Sometimes you might be watching a, a court proceeding or read something in the paper and the person will ask them, well, do you hear voices? And everybody's thinking, oh, if they hear voices, they're crazy. But Christians hear voices, right? We all mm-hmm. hear voices. You know, we have to recognize we're living uh, not just in this temporal earthly world, but also in a spiritual world. And every Christian should be hearing voices, the voice of God. All of us hear the voice of the devil talking to us every day. We hear the voice of God too, but sometimes people don't pay attention. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with hearing voices. Uh, God is speaking to us. That's how he can talk to us. One of the things about God, when he gave Moses the description and the blueprints for the temple, the sanctuary, um, why did he give Moses blueprints to follow? He had a specific way he wanted to, uh, to, to build it was a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Jan, what'd you say? It was a pattern of the temple in heaven. Yeah, because he's a God of order, right? He's not a God of haphazardness. He's a God of order. Everything connected with heaven is in perfect order. You know, each of the various angels have their duties to do. They have certain things they do. You know, success can only attend order and harmonious action. If you want to be successful, you have to have some order and harmonious action in all of your labors. And when we think about reaching out to others for God, you know, sometimes you get to church and and then uh, maybe the pastor or the elders or whoever's in charge that day will say, okay, everybody, we're going out into the neighborhood. And you're like, what? What are we going to do? <laughs> you know, there's been no planning. There's been no putting a plan together. There's been no foresight and no forethought. And then when things don't turn out well, then people say, oh, well, the Lord didn't want us to reach these people or something. But we're told that all who are working for God are to labor intelligently, not careless, not haphazardly. Says God's work should be done with faith and exactness so that he may place his seal of approval upon it. So the first things we need to do is pray and ask God for direction. Then when he lets us know what his plans are, then we follow his plans. And when we follow God's plans, he's promised that the result will be his responsibility. But when we just carelessly jump out there, we're not even asking God you know, to, to lead us or guide us or direct us. And he's not responsible for the mistakes that we make because we have not involved him. So whenever you think about doing some outreach or you want to be more involved with the Lord's work or will, pray first and ask him, what, Lord, what would you have me do? You know, we're very quick to put our plans together and then say, Lord, bless my plans when we need to do it the opposite way and say, Lord, what would thou have me to do? And then follow where he leads us. And then he takes responsibility for the results. And that's kind of like a better way. I was going to say, too, in line with what you were saying, if we want success in our professional life, we go to work with a certain attitude that we have to do things orderly in the way our employer expects it. And so we have to perform because not only do we want that good evaluation, we want a pay increase. You know, we want to do our job well, and we should bring that same discipline in our spiritual life. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you don't think if you just do what you feel like doing at work, you're going to get a promotion or a raise? <laughs> I should. <laughs> oh, really, huh? Okay. Let us know how that works out. I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, Elder Carol, I got a good example of that. Uh, I've been getting on the prayer line for Central State Conference. And I noticed that when Dr. Johnson hit from St. Louis, when she did her 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 uh, thing, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, she asked all the women not to say anything. She said she wanted the men to have a chance to speak. But you know, there's always those who don't want to heed to the to the mm-hmm. order. And so Dr. Johnson had to tell somebody. She had to say. You know, no, we're not going to do this. So then that individual kept being interrupted and then said, can I say something else? And Dr. Johnson said no. So the individual got offended. But I think in terms of order, Dr. Johnson was letting us know. And I was glad because we got to hear we got to hear so many men that we didn't know that was on the line, you know. And this person this past week, you know, kind of hinted that she that Dr. Johnson is 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 not a spiritual you know she said everybody not going to uh everybody I guess she said that was on the line aren't aren't and I thought and I tried to smooth it over I said now's the time God give me the strength and I said basically I said what happens on Central States conference line there's about 60 of us so we only get only one little minute you got to say it so other people can hear but this individual has people Yep. <laughs> in St. Louis, thinking that the people on um, that get on Central State Conference line, there's a bunch of, I guess I want to say demons, uh, the way she wants to put it, and, and, and yep. I'm just summarizing it. But it's not like that. I said it's not like that at all, but her feelings are so hurt that she can't see past it. But we need order. Yeah, we do. Yeah, but, <laughs> but uh, also, they're on the prayer line. So the men ought to just speak up. I think that Beverly has said this so many times. That she, and I've, I've experienced this as well. When you're on these prayer lines and they say, okay, we have a testimony. Everybody is alive. That's your testimony right there. But no one says anything. No one speaks up. <laughs> and so if it's going to be a male prayer service, that needs to be specified. So the women can go somewhere else and, and where they can speak freely and pray. That's just my take on it. Yes, her feelings are hurt. I think that we have to be careful with it, you know, careful with what we're doing while we are establishing, what do you call it, uh, order in the church or whatever it is. You have to set this set your parameters up first. This is a male prayer service. So, you know, the women prayer service is on this line. So I can see why she would feel. Um, but but also, Lakita, even Pastor Eichner has been on and says, we want you to limit so everybody can, yes. you know, get she, there. Okay, and I'm on the individual, line. I know exactly what she's talking this, about. This, one lady this that individual, she won't stop. She takes mm-hmm. over. So those people that yeah. from Denver and, 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 and Minnesota, when we want to hear, you know, who they praying for and what their prayer request is, there's no time left in the morning. <laughs> and she and she and, takes and she, over. She's going she, to yeah, you understand, Alvina, because we're yeah, real quick. We're real short. Like, we ain't called to hear you. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you do have to understand that you have to be short and quick. And then you say, I have unspoken prayers. And that way, you know, they address for those who couldn't get on. But 
this individual, there's no time. So I think people are starting not to get on. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, there's something to be said about decency and in order yeah. so that, you know, we can make it as pleasing and as uh, welcoming to everyone, not just a few people. Uh, I know that she wants to be involved, but let's remember we're all, you know, this is a new thing being on Zoom and being on prayer line, uh, you know, with a lot of people. And you do have to give and take. You have to learn to give a little, take a little Mm -hmm. and learn to share really is what it's about, about, rather, learn to share. Um, It's on, uh, we're on uh, paragraph 65.2. 65.2, where it starts out, spirit spirit of unselfish love reigns. And what y'all were just talking about with the prayer line, that's what's needed when you're in any kind of situation like we're in here, unselfish love. Be willing to let other people go first. Be willing to take your turn and not try and take someone else's turn. And, you know, just learn to share with each other. Uh, that's what is needed. It's not... Uh, it's not your prayer line, personal prayer line. It's for everyone to try and share as much as possible. Now, I thought this was interesting on this paragraph. Whoops, let's see. The paragraph that begins, the sinner could not be happy in God's presence. It's paragraph 65.3. Mm-hmm. I thought this was very interesting because we're talking about being in heaven. And a lot of times people think everybody's going to heaven, Right or uh, God's too good to not let everybody go, but it's pointing out to us, the sinner could not be happy in God's presence. He would shrink from the companionship of holy beings. Would he be, if he was permitted to enter heaven, it would have no joy for him. So it literally would not be heaven to a person who's a sinner and doesn't have that spirit of unselfish love. So what do you think about that, about sinner, a sinner being in God's presence? He says down here, said, heaven would be to him a place of torture. He would long to be hidden from him who is his light and the center of his joy. Hmm. That sounds strange, doesn't it? Heaven would be a torture. Yeah. Any other? I just think, I just think they would be unhappy because what they find interesting, and I'm just going to put it like this, are things that peep and mutter in the darkness. And there's not going to be any darkness in heaven. And things that things that the world loves. Mm-hmm. And also, I think, too, what, to me, a sinner, it would drive them crazy for them to know that they that we're going to be worshiping God from for eternally. And I, can, I can't even imagine them. If they can't worship God in, on, on earth, heaven would be so miserable because, you know, you can hear the complaints. Why I got to get up and go watch. You, know, you see what I'm saying? Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes people feel like that about work. they like, oh, this is a day I really don't want to go to work, but I'm trying to get a better attitude. So when I get there, I, you know, but it's just, it's just, I just can't see a sinner saying, I'm going to go to heaven and somebody going to tell me I'm going to worship every day. Tough mm. mm-hmm. Yeah, plus none of their stuff, none of their fun stuff will be there. You know, they won't have their drugs. There won't be like any houses they can break into, 
you know, none of the stuff that they want to do will be there either. So okay, you, you can can't practice at all. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that you can't practice your old behavior in heaven. And if your character, if you've, because we build our character. And if you build your character on things that are of dark and not of, of God, there's no way for you to be happy with worship and praise. And look, there would be, I've heard people say, oh, when I get to heaven, I can watch, I can sit and sit uh, sit in my, what do you call, lounge chair, watch the football and drink beer all day. <laughs> you know, people say that's what, you know, heaven, that that's would be heaven. heaven. Huh? When they get to heaven, that's what they're going to do. Sit on the beach and drink pina coladas. If you don't have an <laughs> understanding of what what it's going to be, then you, you, you know, if you hadn't built your char character along those the order that God has set for us, then you won't be in a line with the things in heaven and you won't be happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, the Bible says from one new moon to the next, all flesh will come to worship before the Lord. And so I think about it, and it's like, well, along the lines of, I think what Patsy was saying, well, I got to get up and go to church. Well, I got to get up and go worship, you know? Yeah. And it's sad but, that sometimes you'll hear people in church complaining about things like that. And you often wonder, why are you even here then? If you don't like to hear singing and praise, what are you doing here? Then there's also that, um, you know, when we start talking about within families, like being selfish, you know, why should I worship him? I should be worshiped. I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same thing Lucifer said, right? Right, we right back there We if they get up there. Yeah, uh, points out to us also is there's, it's not an arbitrary decree that God excludes the wicked from heaven. It says they're shut out by their own unfitness for his companionship. The glory of God would be to them a consuming fire. They would welcome destruction so that they could be hidden from the face of him who died to redeem them, which really sounds ironic. You want to be hidden from the face of him who died to redeem you. That makes no sense at all. But again, it's what we've been talking about, part of that cultivating the character of heaven while on earth, allowing the Holy Spirit to dwell within you so that when, when you get to heaven, it's going to be already part of you, part of what you like to do, a part of what you've been dreaming of doing, a part of what you are practicing doing here on earth. You know, if it's just kind of amazing to even read that part about hiding from the one who died to redeem you. But anyway, that's how it goes. People, uh, again, heaven's a prepared place for prepared people. It says uh, about the social life, the love and sympathy that God has planted in the soul will find the truest and sweetest exercise. So again, God is planting love and kindness and joy in our hearts. And when we get to heaven, that's the perfect place to, to exhibit those characteristics. The pure communion with holy beings and harmonious social life with the blessed angels and the faithful ones of all ages, the sacred fellowship that binds together the whole family in heaven and earth, all are among the experiences of the hereafter. So we'll be socializing with the angels and with everyone faithful throughout all the ages and the people that we attend church with now that make it to heaven. It will just be a glorious and an enjoyable time uh, as, as it says for eternity, joy for all of eternity. It's going to be a great place. It's going to be much more than we can even imagine, as we have talked about. But 
it's good to uh, keep our minds on it and keep um, praying and asking God to bless us and make us prepare us for heaven and allow us to help others to make make heaven their calling as well. So we don't want to hold the joy to ourselves, but we want to share it with others through our words, through our deeds, and through our actions. Because this is one time where you say the more the merrier, the more of your family and friends that make it to heaven, because if you're witnessing, uh, the better it's going to be and the more enjoyable it's going to be. So any other thoughts on on this chapter of heaven? It's a lot, you know, and again, it's not the full, uh, as was mentioned, we can't handle the, the truth, all of God's truth. He gives us enough to be saved. And that is amazing in itself. Amen. 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 Any Amen. further thoughts on that? How can we make heaven appealing to people who have so much in this life? Jan, that was my exact question. I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> How can we do that? That's a hard one. Um, a lot, um, not that I know a lot of rich people, but I have been like my bosses and uh, who were who are rich invite us down to their condo in uh, Orlando or whatnot and, and pay for us to sell on a yacht for a day and all that kind of stuff. They have, you could almost see the misery in their eyes. It's, you know, the pain. They've got a lot, but it seems like they're always, there's always a, something going on in their family and there's a lot of misery there and that's an opportunity to witness even though mm. you know things on heaven i mean i'm sorry on earth material things there is a big hole in their soul mm. Mm. i think about the that. fact that um while people may have a lot of material things joy comes from knowing the lord and peace and peace yeah joy and peace come from knowing the lord and so and everybody's going to go through something on this earth, whether it's losing a loved one to illness or sickness or accident or something like that. Everybody's going to go through something on this earth. But we have to have that joy because we can't spread it or share it unless we have it. Mm. Amen. And, I, think also that, um, I think what Jesus did, uh, he mingled with the people. Um, I guess what was the second part? Empathize with their needs mm. and then uh, fulfill their needs and say, follow me. I think a real issue is becoming, being a genuine person. So mm -hmm. being able to um, like attach to people because people, people will respond when they like you, when they uh -huh. uh, commonality you you with you, you know? So um, it's really <coughs> for I see that, I hate to say it, but I see that as being a major problem in the church, you know, is that there's interest is only in the person coming to church. The interest is not in the person. And as soon as we push that around and recognize that we are to sow seeds and the person may not follow us to church, but if we are, you know, be consistent and with the person and love the person and love people, then they may find Christ. Mm -hmm way that we think they ought to per se but they will find christ mm. Mm. yeah we're all born with the jesus size hole in our hearts and he's the only one that can fill it a lot of people try and fill it with money and 
power and sex and drugs and whatever else, but it's fulfilling. Only Jesus can give you the peace that passes understanding. And that's one of the things that we can point out to people. You know, it's, it doesn't take millions of dollars for people to really think they have everything they want on earth. It can just be a few thousand dollars. It can be a nice car. But again, uh, one thing that we can do is point people to Christ and say, if you want joy, real joy, you have to let Jesus into your heart. Uh, I remember, you know, um, and it hasn't been that long ago, thinking about witnessing, witnessing to me was telling people about the Sabbath and about what they're not supposed to eat and all this stuff, what they can do and can't do, which is really legalism. But um, Sister White says that we should, you know, um, again, befriend people, be kind to them, talk about the love of Jesus, talk about his goodness. And if somebody asks, if they ask about a doctrinal point, then we can uh, enter that into the conversation. But far too often, our first comments and our first goal is to introduce people to what we believe doctrinally and not to what we believe about Christ. Also, I got a response to Jan's question too. I said, I've been watching this commercial with the black man named Lewis Reed that's running for mayor. Mm-hmm. And I said, it, it goes back and it, and it talks about how he had to pray. He prayed over his brother's body as his brother had got murdered and that he was himself homeless. And I thought, and then he, he goes on to say, he says, a coach took him under the wing. And I thought, when Jan asked that, I said, can you imagine how many people probably wrote him off years ago that he's not going to be nothing? And here he was able to, you know, trust, trust in God and God leads him. And now he's running for the mayor of St. Louis. And I'm like, that's a testimony in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of us are called to be witnesses for Christ, to lead others to uh, to question about Christ, ask how is it that you can still remain calm? How is it that you have a smile on your face? You know, and we can witness to people. And again, if you have to use words, so just be a witness and let the Holy Spirit do the uh, drawing. Jesus says, if, if you lift me up, I will draw all men to me. So our job is to lift him up and he'll do the drawing. Okay. Uh, Karen, what chapter are we on next week? Uh, she's busy. Let me see. We're on testimonies for the church chapter. Is it chapter 80. 80 uh, we're doing this. Starting at paragraph 444.1. So we'll be doing the other half. Chapter 80, paragraph 441. 444.1. 444.1 for next mm-hmm. week. So again, be sure to study in advance. Invite someone else to join you either on Zoom or on the phone. And it's just an open discussion class. They're free to tune in and have fun with us. Uh, so at this time, we'll close out the live session and then we'll have special prayer requests, okay?